everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are very excited to be with you on this beautiful Tuesday. Make sure you're listening to the episodes on the day they come out for the most current news. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod as well, where you will always find our content and always find what's going on on the podcast and in the BYU world. Make sure you visit our website, royalstrongandtrue.com, leaving reviews, sharing the episode, doing all that good stuff that we mention every single time. We are super grateful for you guys as listeners. We have created a wonderful fan base that we love. This is a wonderful community. Let's keep it growing. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. We got an awesome little pre uh, recap for you from the Utah State game and some other things going on in the BYU world. So let's get to it now. Let's bull. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, right? Let's back this bula. Yeah! <laughs> let's go wild, let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Remember that video you sent of the Teletubby sunrise? <laughs> I still have that. I, can't, I forgot I said that. I'm going to post it on the Instagram story just so you guys can experience what we're talking about. Yep. Well, the caption will just be, if you know, you know. <laughs> what wonderful podcasting to begin this episode. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast, the best podcast Number on the one. airwaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good that when I type the letter R into my search bar on Google Chrome, the first thing that comes up is royalstrongandtrue.com. Oh my goodness. And that is, that's not taking your history into account at all. Probably, uh, probably does not count... The fact that I visited that website multiple times and helped build it, so like no, 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 definitely no, not. No, 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 it's, no, it's definitely just because it's so popular. No bias. Yes, everybody in the area of Utah County is just clicking on it constantly. Oh yeah. So it's just suggested content. Crazy foot traffic on the website. We love it. We love it. Lots of clicks. Um. Anyway, should we move on? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, let's start out with some rough housing. That's supposed to be a ding, ding, ding. I, like, I know, was uh, expecting that. It was, yeah, that, that right. didn't work very well. So like know. a title fight ding. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, so Dan's not here. He's recovering from a little bit of a cold. May he be blessed by the football gods, for we are in need of his silky smooth voice for the Notre Dame preview. Yes, we really do, especially because his picks are kicking our absolute patootie. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about something a little more fun. Uh, we got Cougs and the Pros. We're going to bring back this segment, talk a little bit about what our former Cougars are doing. Zach Wilson, not just one enjoyer of Cougars. Oh. He enjoys the <laughs> Cougars himself, but we are enjoyers of Cougars and the Pros. Yes. Important distinction there. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about Zach Wilson. We thought he was sucking. Uh, yes. We really did. I, I, I felt... Going into this season, I felt the same that I felt about Zach Wilson going into the 2020 season, where we famously said that we would all barbecue and eat a hat if he won the Heisman, and he almost did, to be honest. It was scary. Um, After 2019, we were not high on Zach Wilson, and then he came out and absolutely blew the doors off of us. 
Now, after coming back from his injury, he had his first game. Stats are a little misleading. He actually looked really good in this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He started out with you know only completing 50% of his passes with a couple interceptions. But he kept them in the game, and the Jets' defense kept him in the game as well. He was playing against Kenny Pickett, mm. other notable QB. Anyway, Zach Wilson, final drive, down, what is it, down three points, had the ball with about a buck fifty left on the clock, drove all the way down on the field. What was it what were the stats? Five of five or six of six? Five of five for fifty seven yards. Five of five for fifty seven yards, drove them all the way down the field until the running back punched it into the end zone for the game winner. Zach had two very, very clutch drives at the end of the game. Not to mention earlier in the game he caught a touchdown pass and hit the gritty afterwards, notably without being flagged. I was gonna say, was he flagged? That's so weird. That is, that's a mind boggler. Flagged, in, not flagged in the No Fun League. Flagged in the NCAA. That, see, that's that's a flip. That that needs to flip. That's flip flop. That's flip flop. Um, anyway, there were some other notable uh, Cougars in the pros as Adam. well. Jamal Williams, 108 yards on 19 carries with two touchdowns in a 48 to 45 loss to the Seahawks. Who would have seen that one coming? Uh, but Jamal Williams leads the country. Or the National Football League, not the country, because college college, college football is better. College talk. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he leads the No Fun League in rushing touchdowns. Which is awesome. Shout out to Jamal Williams. That's, great that's out great, season. Great stat. That's that's awesome. Speaking of ex-BYU running backs, let's talk about Tyler Algier, who ran for 84 yards on 10 carries, including a 42-yard run carrying a, I think it was a linebacker, maybe a safety, on his back. For like 18 yards. Yeah. In a 23-20 win over the Browns. He was the leading rusher for the Falcons in that game, both in carries and in yards. Look at that. Did anybody expect this? I think we can all raise our hand and say yes. He's doing the exact same thing in the pros that he did at BYU. And he's going to get some more time, too, because the Falcons running back that's been splitting time with him just got put on IR. Ooh, let's go. Uh, May he have a recovery. Not, Not speedy, but may he recover. May he recover. Yes, in 17 weeks. Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, last but not least, our favorite friend, Tasson Hill. Uh He ran five times for 21 yards and a touchdown in a 28-25 to loss versus Vikings in proper football town. London. London, England. London, England, where Harry Potter was watching on his broomstick from the Quidditch match. He definitely was. <laughs> Ron Weasley. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, uh, they should let Taysom play QB. Uh, they really should, because or Jameis is injured, right? He yeah, didn't they, play. They had Andy Dalton playing quarterback. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andy Dalton. Your TCU days are over. Start Taysom. And we are sure glad that his TCU days are over. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about some college football. we got to get to it. Let's talk about the new top 25. It dropped on Sunday, so it's a couple days old at this point. Maybe the listeners have had some time to react. But this is the first time that we are publicly reacting, and we want to say the college football AP voters finally listened, and they ranked them. Rank them! Kansas is ranked! That's great. That is fantastic. They took BOU spot at number 19. Uh, it's very deserving, although I would say they should be a top 15, top 10 team huh? with that resume. If we are going resume-based, Kansas, although they look like patootlies against Oak, uh, Iowa State and probably should have lost that game, their resume up to this point is better than almost any team in the SEC. Oh, yeah. I, I think we can all say that, right? Excepting 
uh, Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas has a better resume than any other team in the SEC. So. Oh yeah, they're not just beating a bunch of FCS and G five schools. They no. beat tons of Power Five schools. Yeah, Houston, uh, West Virginia on the road. They beat three and Duke. They beat Iowa State. Duke, who just went and beat Virginia the next week, who is now four and one. Right. So it's not like they're scrubs. No, Kansas is for real. I'm, Kansas I'm glad they ranked them. Is for real. BYU moved up to number 16 in the AP poll with all the movement there was in front of them and our non-impressive win over Utah State. Does that seem like an appropriate ranking? Um, when you see BYU rank 16th, the team that you envision is not the team that we have seen the last couple of weeks. So in my personal opinion, I think BYU should be 24. Okay. Maybe a little bit higher, 23, 22. Our, our, our performance has not been befitting of our rank. I think Kansas should be ranked above us. I think TCU should be ranked above us. There's a lot of teams. I think TCU actually is ranked above us now. But I think there are a lot of teams that should be ranked above us because they have looked better. The eye test, I am a firm believer in the eye test. I can throw it whatever you want. I am an eye test guy. I think BYU does not deserve that 16 ranking. But I ain't complaining. I ain't complaining. Remember, Jared, the AP, the sorry, the uh, the eye test means absolutely nothing to the AP voters. True, because they only watch one game, and it's the game of the team that they cover. Yep, and that's <laughs> it. But somehow they're still AP voters, so that absolutely <laughs> is stupid. I think 16 is a good spot for BYU right now, given their record. They are four and one. They've beaten some at least brand recognition teams, teams that were good at the time that they played them. So yeah, uh, BYU's only losses to a top 10 team. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and and Oregon. Uh, they're looking very good right now. Extremely. And uh, we just want them to keep climbing in the rankings. Also, is it, is it uh, fair that Baylor is unranked? <laughs> they're like one of the first teams out and receiving votes. I do think they'll be ranked after this next week. I, they lost to a top fifth, a top 16 BYU team, and they then and lost to a top 10 top Oklahoma, 10 State, Oklahoma State, team. State team. So In a toss-up game that was decided by a kick return, basically. Yep, exactly. So I think that they should be ranked. They will be ranked again by the end of the season. But, you know, the way the cookie crumbles, you have two losses at this point, and you're not in the SEC, there's no way you're ranked. Yes, the only way you're going to be ranked with two losses is if you're in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing on the AP Top 25, I'm going to give you three schools that absolutely should not be ranked. LSU. Yep. That is 1 million percent just brand. 100% agree. They have done nothing. Uh, Cincinnati, I don't think their resume is indicative of a team that should be ranked. Fair. Um, and Mississippi State. Uh, the only reason Mississippi State is ranked is because they're four and one, and then the SEC. Yeah, they, they beat all- Texas A&M. That was ranked. Well, arguably, Texas A&M should not have been ranked in the first. Yes, I, I agree. I think Texas A&M deserves nowhere close to the polls. Um, three teams that I would rank above them: James Madison, yep, Baylor, yep. Washington State. I do have a counterpoint for your Mississippi State one, though. Let's hear. It. Mike Leach gave an all-time press conference <laughs> when he was asked how he would plan a wedding. <laughs> by a reporter who was planning a wedding. So that's that true. alone deserves a top 25 ranking. That's true. That is true. All right. We'll, we'll give them that one. But LSU, get out of my face. The jury is still out on Mississippi State because of that. <laughs> um, noticeably unranked, Texas and Oklahoma. SEC. <laughs> SEC. Yes, the two worst teams... <laughs> Literally, check the standings. The two worst teams in the Big 12 um, are Texas and Oklahoma. And of the four teams uh, in the Big 12, or the four games in the Big 12 this weekend, the Red River rivalry is the only one that does not feature a ranked team. (laughs) 
there's the Red River rivalry is going down right like this week. Yes. And college game day is going to Kansas instead. <laughs> what was that on your bingo card at the beginning of the year? If it was, cash in now, baby. If you bet on college game day going to Kansas the week that the Red River rivalry <laughs> was going down, you'd probably win plus twenty thousand. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely insane. Which I hope they do have odds on where college game day is going, because if so, I might want to put some cheese on that action. Mm. You know, just any time in the month of October or or late November, just SEC school after SEC school after SEC school. Honestly, if you just pick Georgia or Alabama, if you put like a hundred cheese a bet down on both of them, you're bound to get some back. Oh yeah, you're bound to wind up in the positive, even if you go eight weeks. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to some BYU football news. Rise and shout, baby. Uh, this is actually very interesting and important. BYU-Arkansas. Arkansas just got the doors blown off them by Alabama. Uh, they go play Mississippi State this week. Then they will come to Provo and play at 130 Mountain on either ABC or ESPN. Oh. My guess is it's going to be ABC. Oh, no. 130? Yes. One th- all the East Coast Cougar fans on Twitter are like, oh, finally, yay, a day game. No, screw you. We don't care about any of you. We want night games because BYU plays better in night games, and we can quantify it. Yes, and if you do not believe Justin, open up your ears and listen. Open up your heart and listen, General mm-hmm. Conference. Understand with your heart, not yep. just your ears and your mind. All right, um, so uh, let's start with the night games. So BYU is famous for kind of owning the late night. Yeah. Right? But of all the teams, Mountain slot. BYU owns that slot. Um, at the night, and this is in the Kalani era, yeah. and I'm discounting FCS schools. Okay. FCS schools, we have only played in the daytime. So okay. just keep that in mind, but I'm throwing those out. Fair enough. Um, night games. BYU, in the Kalani era, 32 and 14. Not bad. So that's pretty good. Yeah. That's like a 65, 70, I don't know, something like that win percentage. Doing the math right now. All right. Uh, this is great podcasting. Doing math on the air. 32 divided by 46 is a 69% win. Nice. 69.56, actually. But okay. So rounds up to 70%. 70 okay. So that's pretty close. But we'll round down to 69% just for the nice fact. Yes. Round down. It's a step graph. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so 69% winning percentage at night. That's very good. Uh, at the daytime. You might not need to use your calculator for this one. 15 and 16. That is less than 50%. To be quite exact with you, that is, uh, if my calculator would function correctly, it's not functioning correctly. So yeah, it's less than 50%. It's less than 50%. It's like 48%. Um, So yeah, 15 and 16. That is more losses than wins. Yep. Uh, And let me give you this extra little... Extra little tidbit. Not only do we have a, like, what is it, 30, almost 30% uh, higher winning percentage at night. Yep. Um, just a little bit more than our winning percentage in Royal versus G5 than Navy. There are still some unbelievers out there. Uh, my brother is one of them. He refuses to believe it. But numbers don't lie. Jacob. Numbers don't lie. Jacob, call. We win 20 plus percent more. Against G5's when we were royal. Okay, yep. but that's not what this is about. So, at night, we're winning 69% of the time. Mm-hmm. In the day, we're winning 48% of the time. That's wild. Is, is that not wild? No, that's wild. That's, that's definitely huge. statistically significant. That's at least... That's not just like 5% off or a game off. That's like a full 17 games off. Yes. That's huge. And 
And if you take it into account per season, that's at least one game a season yeah. that you're going to lose because you play in the daytime. Now, since 2019, since the beginning of the 29th season, 2019 season, we have lost 11 games. Venture a guess after how many of those have been day games. Am I actually supposed to guess or am I supposed to read the number that's right here in front you of me? You can read the, the number in front of you. <laughs> Nine of those were day games. Nine of our 11 losses in the last three seasons have been day games. Yep. I'm sorry. What? I, I, 88? 82%? 82%? 82% of our losses since 2019 have happened during the daytime slots. I don't, I don't know what else I could say. I, is this a Kalani thing? What is this? What can explain this? I don't know. Too many BYU players have children that are keeping them up late at night, so they're tired during the morning and day. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. You know what? I buy it. See, I national it. media, the older players thing is not a BYU advantage. It is a BYU disadvantage. Uh, <laughs> yes. I actually, I completely buy into that. Um, anyway, some people say that the competition that we are playing in the day games is better than the competition we are playing in the night games. I now I'm looking back over the over the the stats, right? Yeah. And it's about even. Okay. I'm going to be honest, it's about even. We play a fair number of NIU, UMass, uh, Toledo, USF, Liberty, UMass, Hawaii, UTSA, Coastal Carolina, um, Boise State, Washington State, Georgia Southern, right? So these are all teams that we should be beating. We also do play the Baylors. We also play the uh, um, Washingtons, the USC's, the Oklahoma, or not the Oklahoma's, the Wisconsin's, right? The Washingtons. We play those in the daytime as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. In the last couple of years since 2019, loss to Washington in the day. So that's that's decent, right? We beat USC, who was actually really bad that year, but. Uh, losses to also Toledo, USF. We also lost to Hawaii. We lost to Coastal Carolina. We Disgusting. lost to UAB. Disgusting. We, we lost to Boise State. Uh, so like, the, it's not just that we're playing harder teams in the day games. We just are losing more day games oh, than yeah. we are night games. Honestly, we're playing worse teams in the day. We're <laughs> losing to NIU. We're losing to UMass. We're losing to Coastal Carolina. We're losing to UAB. We're losing to all of these low-level G5 schools during the day, which is absolutely ridiculous. At night, what do we do? We go ahead and we beat like five straight Power 5 opponents. We beat Baylor at home. Yep. We, when we play at night, we play better. Yeah. And uh, Cougar Nation shows up more. And Cougar Nation shows up more. That's huge. It really does. The students, for whatever reason, just... I mean, they'll eventually show up to the day games, but they do not fill out the stadium like two hours before like they do. And filling up the stadium two hours before brings a certain energy when those players run out of the tunnel for the first time for their warm-ups and right. they see an already full crowd. That brings a different energy than running out and seeing a half-empty stadium. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am 100% on board with this. Uh, I, what else can we say? What more can I say than this? I say we have covered the point sufficiently. Let us move on. Let us move because on. Because we have some very important news that we need to talk about. Oh, shiesty. We the do. BYU uniforms versus Notre Dame were announced in one of the uniform announcement videos of the year. It's a little cheesy, but all of them are. It no, was all dope. Of them. It was pretty cool. We are going with the blackout jerseys, basically the same jerseys from a couple years ago, but without the fly wire. Just updated, basically. With a royal helmet that fades into black. <laughs> Jared... 
On a scale of one to ten, how do you rate this helmet? A fifteen, bro. Yep. I I stare at it and I can't stop staring. I literally have watched that video probably a hundred times and I just catch myself staring, just ogling at this at this uh, this helmet. I want to buy one. I don't care how much it costs. I need one in my home. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous helmet. Notre Dame is countering that with their white uniforms. You know, they're inspired by The Hangover. Yes. That movie. Uh, honestly, probably most of you haven't seen that movie, given the demographic of our show. <laughs> but, um, yeah, white jersey with gold stripes, some designs. It's some pretty cool. And whatnot. It's, it's a pretty I, cool uniform. I, I really like it. My question for you, who wins the uniform matchup? Because BYU's uniform itself is not... Super special. It's just no. black with royal trim, right? But the the helmet is probably one of the coolest helmets I've seen in college football history. Absolutely. Notre Dame, obviously, I think has the step up with the jersey, per se. But the helmet is just a classic helmet. Who are you saying wins this uniform matchup? See, BYU does have a very, very, very beautiful helmet that really like takes a cake. But I don't know. I'm looking at Notre Dame's jersey, and... It's just got some pretty cool designs, and it's got the cool clover on the side. The helmet's a classic as well. I just think it might pop a little more on television. Okay. It, it might. But, um, yeah, honestly, I think I think I might go with Notre Dame on this one, to be, to be perfectly really? honest. Overall. Because Overall. I would say, like, yes. helmet, BYU wins by a million. Like, let's, Absolutely. let's compare it. Like, Notre Dame's helmet, 7 out of 10. BYU's helmet, 10 out of 10. 11 out of 10. But then you go to the jerseys, and BYU's jersey is like an 8 out of 10, where Notre Dame's is a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. So maybe it does actually even out, but I'd say you know, the only thing that keeps BYU in this uniform matchup in the first place is the helmet. Is the helmet. I, I agree. This is a really, really hard one for me, because if Notre Dame were playing anybody else with any other uniform in the entire planet, like they would win. I think these might be my second favorite uniforms of all time. Right? Yeah. Of, of non-BYU, like, jerseys, I think this is my favorite. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Ohio State all red. Ohio State all black is pretty nice. The freaking shamrock with the... It's all the detail. It's very nice. And the white and gold looks very clean. But let me tell you who the real winner of this uniform matchup is. Okay. Us. Yeah. The public. Hey, yes. We win the uniform yes. matchup. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Everybody watching this game will be the winner because these are two of the most beautiful uniforms... Ever Mormons, Catholics, Sin City, black and white, beautiful uni- like we win. We are the winners here. One of our BYU, one of our players, a BYU player, called this game the Holy War. Is that blasphemous? Uh, since we do not work for BYU, no. I mean, I don't. I'll call it the Holy War all you want, but because <laughs> that's the Utah rivalry name. Oh, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um. It is a holy war. I wouldn't say the holy war, but it's okay, a but holy it's, war. Uh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're like, I don't know, like Constantine right now. Constantine, I would, okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's that's a little too deep into, into <laughs> Western. This is not, into, a, this European is not a religious history, history okay, podcast. Let's talk about something else then. Uh, just to sign up before we move Ooh, on yes. from that, Gabe Judy Lolly's targeting uh, targeting call that went against him, which was absolutely stupid. If that is targeting, change the rule immediately, was appealed and appealed successfully. He will be reinstated for the Notre Dame first half. Will be completely available. Will not have to sit out anytime. That's huge, huge. Shout out to Gabe. Yes, we love. Um, Gabe. We do love Gabe. I'm very excited. He's going to be back. And that targeting call was booty. Now I have a question for you, Jared. We know jinxes are real. Mm-hmm. 
but our counter jinx is real. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In our group chat, we're always sending stuff that is very overreactionary. Oh, of course. When Zach Wilson was struggling in the second half, I immediately sent Zach Wilson sucks, and we all agreed. We agreed he was a bust, a fraud, sucks for him. From that point on, he started playing incredibly. And led the team to a victory. Jared, when Arkansas and Alabama were playing, said Arkansas sucks is like the worst team ever. Literally two seconds after we sent that text, they score a 60-yard pass on like fourth, on a fourth down conversion. And they cut it to five. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go. And then they lost by 23. Same thing happened in the Baylor game. I was like, Baylor sucks. They are absolute trash. Then they get within three. And then I'm like, yo, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then they ended up losing by 11. What do you think? I think counter jinxes are real. I think we've proven it this weekend. I think counter jinxes are real too. Like, they gotta be real. They have to be. We have enough evidence in front of us. Yep. We've seen it happen game after game after game. Now, we we will say it's been like a one-week sample set of that, (laughs) but throw it back to college basketball and remember our conspiracy theory (laughs) of the ticker that would come across and say, BYU has made 17 straight free throws. And what do they do? Miss the free throw as soon as that comes up. Or BYU has not scored in the last three minutes and 27 seconds. Boom, they score immediately. Counter jinxes are real. Yes, jinxes and counter jinxes are both things. They are both real. Uh, I have seen it in my own life. I know Justin has as well. Oh, yes. And I would testify in front of you that jinxes are real. I'm clipping that and sending it to Greg Rebell. <laughs> Let's um, move on, shall we? Let us move on. The and house has been quite roughed. The, the the house has been roughed. It has been a nice twenty minute house roughing or rough housing, whatever it is. Let's move on to the unfortunate part of the episode where we have to talk about BYU football. Just kidding. Unfortunate. It, 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 it is fortunate. It's it's fun. It's great. Um, BYU scored thirty eight points and Utah State only scored twenty six. Okay. Uh, that amounts to a W. Uh, technically yes. <laughs> uh, I'm being very careful in how I approach this game. Uh, okay. because. It was the first game I got to go to as a fan at home, right? Yeah, we yeah. went to the Oregon game. It did not go well. No. Uh, I went to this game. It didn't go well either. Notably, not as bad. Not we as not, bad. We did not lose by three touchdowns, uh, but we did score more points than our opponent. Yeah. And so that is a that is a positive takeaway. That is not something you'll hear me say a lot in the next 20 minutes, but it is a positive takeaway for me. Uh, let's, let's start off with something that we used to do back in the day. Yeah. Our knee jerks and after letting it stew. So, uh-huh. Justin, what was your knee jerk? You were at the game. I was. I was at the game. I was in the student section sitting with my buddy uh, Riley. He's been on the podcast. He was mm. a guest and his wife. Uh, knee jerk reaction. Uh, they, they showed up late, you know, so for the first quarter that they weren't there, I was able to use language that was quite flowery. <laughs> and I definitely used quite flowery language because it was, it it was, didn't, it was warranted. It didn't feel good. <laughs> Watching the game... We were winning, but it didn't feel like we were winning. It felt like we were losing the entire time. I feel like we were completely let down on both sides, both offensively and defensively. Now, plays were made on both sides. Absolutely, plays were made. But my knee-jerk was that I felt like we were completely left down. I felt like we did not play our to, we did not play to our potential in any way, shape, or form. I feel like this game could have gone a whole lot better, especially given that we were in the national spotlight on Thursday night, the only FBS on FBS game happening Thursday we had the world as our captors, and we made them watch us suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my knee-jerk reaction was very, uh, 
very similar. I came home and I listened to the post game, and it was very frustrating. Not therapeutic in the slightest. Uh, it was a fun game to go to, I will say. Sure. Uh, objectively speaking, uh, my my game as a fan that I got to go to probably won't be able to go to another home game. Uh, but they did the favor of making it a close game for me, yeah. which I appreciated and also didn't appreciate. Okay. Um, a couple of my knee jerks. We suck. Mm. That's that's it. That's, that's it. That's the list. That's that's my entire knee jerk. Uh, probably a thousand, you know, fifteen hundred words that I wrote after. Sum it up into we suck. That that's basically it. Um, but after letting it stew, my viewpoint has changed a little bit. After watching college football, we saw, what was it, 10 top 25 teams lose, including like six of the closest teams ranked to us. Yep. Um, so, I, in all honesty, I am glad that we scored more points than Utah State did. Yeah. Because there were teams that did not do that and thus have had their seasons changed. Ours technically has not changed yet because we still scored more games than our opponent or more points than our opponent. And that is something that... When it boils down to it, a win is a win. And I'll say it. We won. There you go. You heard it. I, we won. As that, you know, Fast and Furious quote that I always post on Instagram says, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. After letting it stew, I was sitting there thinking about it, and I came to the realization of this. Football games are hard to win. They really are. Especially rivalry games. Everyone knows that True. you throw the records out of the door when you play when rivals play each other. It appears we avoided a massive trap game week, as Jared already said. We won. That's all that matters. We moved up three spots in the AP poll. The next two games are against prolific opponents, so I don't think that we I so I do think that we will show up. Four and one at this point in the season is not a bad spot to be in. We will keep moving forward. We will keep playing. Some of the things that I was questioning have been answered by the coaches in some of their post-game interviews, something we'll get to a little bit later. But after letting us do, I'm happy with the fact that we won the football game. Yeah, I, I think we can both agree on that, right? Yep. We're both happy we won. Yep. I, when it comes down to it, I would take an, a W more than an L. Absolutely. Uh, if you if somebody said going into Notre Dame, BYU's 4-1, and one, would you take it or take the field like would you say I'll take four and one right now or would you have let it play out see I don't know this is a very tough question if after Notre Dame somebody said that we were five and one I might have taken that four and one with a loss to either Oregon or Baylor you know yeah, I'd, I'd take it four and one is not a bad place to be so yeah I'd, I'd take it I, th- I think I would also have taken it right and when you, at the end of the day all that the AP voters are going to see and all that the the selection committee is going to see is the record and the logo. Yep. That's all that matters to them, right? That's, that's really all that matters. And, and if sometimes you, they can't even interpret the logo. <laughs> yeah, or the or the losses in the cases of SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go straight to game notes. Let's do it. Um, I have a lot of game notes. Let's, let's hear them. Um, first one. Now, uh, Steve, my Uncle Steve, Shout he gets Steve. credit for this one. Kalani has brought over Utah Syndrome. Okay, what does we that mean? we completely play on emotion. That's what Kyle Whittingham does. It was the exact opposite of what Bronco Mendenhall did. In the Bronco Mendenhall era, we could never really get up for big games, especially rivalry games, as we saw with the Utah games, right? Mm-hmm. With this Kalani team, we get up for the big games, and then we just completely don't show up for the other games, right? And we've seen that especially in the last three years. Um, 
this game was like the epitome of this. We needed to come out. We needed to prove that we are big brother in the state. And because it wasn't a ranked opponent, because Utah State was 1-3 and three or 1-4 and four or whatever it was, we came out and played down to our level of competition, showed no emotion, showed no fight, and only won by 12. That, that's my first point. Would you agree I, with that? I absolutely agree with that whole Utah Syndrome thing. We do get up for the big games. Most of them. Most Right. We didn't get up for the Oregon game, that's for sure. That That is true. But we get up for most of the big games, and yeah, it's it's been a history that we do not blow out bad opponents under the Kalani's, under Kalani Sitake. Right. So uh, I agree. I, I don't like that. I, I personally, like, I love that we can get emotional for the big games. Yeah. But I hate how it swings the other way, too. Oh, yeah. And when we play Wyoming, when we play USF last year, when we play UAB, Boise State at home last year, you know, when we play Utah State and Wyoming this year, like... I, I hate that we can't get up for the smaller games, and I was talking to McKinley, my wife, and my brother afterwards. I think that's why uh, we know that's why Ohio State and Alabama are so good, right? Because Ryan Day and Nick Saban will never overlook an opponent. Nope. The only loss Ryan Day has ever had is either in the CFP or to Michigan, where Michigan just blew the doors off of us. Nick Saban, the only losses he's ever had are in massive games. They do not lose to bad opponents. University of Louisiana Monroe. Okay. Yes, in two thousand six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that I, that's the reason modern so good. And this is kind of goes into my second point that we have kind of a culture problem that we're okay with mediocrity, and I know that a dub is a dub, but Tuiaki and A Rod are okay with just winning games, right? And we saw that completely. Like oh, yeah. we took our foot off the gas offensively and defensively. Yep. As yes, soon we as we were up by two scores, we're like, okay, we're good. We can just play not to lose now. I, I hate it. I They can do what they want to do, but for me, I do not like that. It gives our players this false sense of, well, as long as you do just enough to win, you're fine, right? Yeah. And that is not what elite programs do. No, yeah, I completely agree. On the culture thing, I will say this. I do think that we have an incredible team culture. We create an environment where people want to come, where people True. want to stay. We don't have a lot of people transferring out. Uh, shout out to actually no no shout out to you. You're a literal devil that tight end that transferred away. Um, but we do have a good culture. We do have a winning culture. But like you said, we do not have a culture of excellence. We do not have a culture of putting our foot on the gas and slamming it down, putting our foot on the neck and breaking it. We do not have that culture, which is a culture I wish we had. And I feel like the two are not mutually exclusive. You can have both. But we saw the shift, like you said. I will say the shift was a little bit weird because we saw offensively we completely slowed down. We only ran the ball. It was obvious we were just trying to run the clock. But then A-Rod on coordinator's corner was talking more about it and said they purposefully did that because they saw Jaron was taking hits and they didn't want him to take any more hits. Kind of understandable. Yeah. Just get the game over. Don't get anyone hurt. Right. And on defense, we we were playing a little bit less aggressively at the end of the game. But we also did have like 75% of our defense at that point was backups that were getting like first time snaps, second right, time right. snaps. That obviously you can't run the same things you run with them that you can run with starters. They scored a touchdown. And even Kalani said, you know, he'll trade a touchdown for experience. in-game experience right. any day. So it is kind of a weird situation. You would love to see them put the foot on the gas and just run away with the game. But I also kind of understand what they're saying. I just wish they would have done that being up 40 instead of being up 20. That's exactly what I was about to say. I'm totally okay with that, right? If you give up a touchdown in garbage time because you're playing the second stringers, or if you just run the ball in the fourth quarter, that's fine. But not when it's a freaking one-score game, yeah. right? 
my my problem is not with what happened at the end of the game. It's with what happened at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And this brings me to my next point. Play, scouting staff has got to be terrible because every single game we come out and we look like we've never played football before in our lives. Yep. Cooper Lega on his first drive looked like a freaking Heisman candidate marching yep. his team down the field. Um, I'm not going to mention the safety that tried to tackle him as he went into the end zone. Oh, I'm going to mention him. <laughs> Hanneman, get the hell off this team. That was like, so bad. Why the heck are you on this team? Like, I... Put me on the team, gosh dang it! Like, even if you just need to me, even if you just need to put me in for first and goal situations where the quarterback has the slight chance of running, I promise you, I will lower my shoulder into his abdomen every single time. Yeah, I can't. If I were on there, I can't promise you that the result wouldn't be the same. But at least I would look like I'm trying. I'd at least get a targeting <laughs> penalty call on me at the very least. Anyway, back to my point. Play calling was horrific. I, I have never been more upset with play calling. Now, I, after the Oregon game, I came out and I was like super depressed, right? Because I felt like our team just didn't show up. On this one, I was furious. This is like one of those games that just gets to you. This is, it was so bad. Um, offensively, like, yes, the defense couldn't get off the field, but offensively, we could not get a first down. We yeah. could not stay on the field. It was disgusting. Fourth and seven, and we run a screen pass to Kidney Boy? Really? That was, that was a shocker, right? I I did not like that call. Um, yeah, the time of possession we don't even need to mention. It was like what was it, twenty three to seven at halftime or something. Uh, time of possession is also kind of a weird, useless stat too because on our first first drive we scored in two plays in like twenty five seconds. Right. And the time of possession, like they had like thirty five like thirty five minutes to our five minutes or whatever, but it was seventeen seventeen. So. Right. I well because of a pick six. If yeah. we don't get yeah, that pick true. six, if we don't get the pick six, we lose the game. Which I also guarantee kind of contributes to the time of possession too, because our offense did not get onto the field. It, that was a lost possession for yeah. the offense. I agree, but there were too many three and outs. Our defense was gassed. Yep. You could totally see it. And it, like, say that happens against a P five team, we're gonna lose thirty five to seven. Mm-hmm. You you can't have that, right? That is, you cannot have that. Nope. Um, and my last thing about the coaching, penalties, bro. I, I have never seen a more undisciplined BYU team since like 2015. And it's just the past couple games because the first few games. We the first were fine. few games were great, right? Yeah. It's the Wyoming and it's the uh, Utah State game. Those yeah, two games we have looked so bad, so bad, so ugly. Um, I don't know. I I was just very upset with the play calling, both on offense and defense. And that fourth and seven screen pass to Gunnar Romney just put the cherry on top. I just couldn't take it. Yeah, no, that was absolutely disgusting. I will say, before we move on, I do have to talk about one thing. Last week, I had a spiritual experience with somebody of the last name Nelson. Mm. It wasn't Russell Nelson. It was John Nelson. (laughs) The Brigham Young University defensive lineman, who started out as a backup this year, backing up uh, Tanovasa, if I'm not mistaken. Pepe Tanovasa? Yes. He's come in. He's from Salem High School, sophomore. And he has absolutely dominated. He's gotten sacks, tackles for loss. He's blowing up backfields. He tipped that ball, which allowed Max Tooley to intercept it and take mm-hmm. it back for six. And then we also had incredible blocking from our corner on that play. Actually, that was I'm, I'm not gonna, I, I sent a lot of texts in the group chat about blocking. and like, that was an incredible block. Sorry, <laughs> that's just one of the things I look for. But John Nelson, I love John Nelson. I think he might be my new favorite player on the defense, except for, you know, like Max Tooley, Keenan Peely. But as for like a non 
back seven player, John Nelson, is absolutely my favorite. He looks like he has a pulse, which yeah. is very weird for this defense. Which is insane for BYU defensive <laughs> linemen. No, it was he is a game wrecker, right? He is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. Oh, heck yeah, he is. Um, I have a couple of questions for you okay. moving forward from this game. Yep. Who is RB1? Mm. See, that's a great question. Miles Davis apparently came away from the game a little bit injured. Hobbling. Hobbling. Uh, he is on, you know... That kind of questionable day-to-day game-time decision So he's list. probably out for a month. I will say this. I still do like Miles Davis very much. He hits the hole hard. Yes. Which I love about him. I will say this. Chris Brooks had the type of game that Miles Davis had against Wyoming. Mm. What do I mean by that? Chris Brooks came in and dominated towards the end of the game when the Utah State defense was already worn down, just like Miles Davis did against Wyoming. Mm-hmm. But Chris Brooks also looked like he had a pulse. He was running. Yes, he, he actually did. hit holes hard, which was something he was not doing for past games, and that was our biggest criticism of him. And then he's running down the field, stiff-arming people <laughs> into the ground and running like an absolute beast. Like That is the Chris Brooks we thought we were going to get at BYU. So if Chris Brooks is still running like that, heck, I would not be surprised if we just had a Chris Brooks-Miles Davis stable that we kind of rotated them per, pose- per possession. And I think using both of them, we could have a field day. Yeah, I agree. The Chris Brooks we saw, like you said, on like what was it that last drive with the no. touchdown? He looked like a monster. He looked great. He looked amazing. But for the rest of the season, he hasn't looked like that. So I don't know who we're gonna get. Is this like a turning of a new leaf? Is it like you said that the defense was tired? I, I don't know. For me, I was a little bit worried because of that. Right? If Miles Davis had come out and done that same thing, I would feel a lot more confident. But because it was Chris Brooks, because it shows that it's so fluctuative and that it's going to change every game. Fluctuative. I don't know if that's a real word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just worry, not because of Chris Brooks. I love Chris Brooks, and he looked amazing. Yeah. I just worry because we don't know who our running back one is, right? Yeah. Who are we going to use on third and goal from the three or third and goal from the two? I, I don't know. It's good to have two good options. True, it's, true. It's not that the fact that we're fighting between two bad running backs. Right, we're like, who's right. going to emerge and take who's the Who's going to fumble less? We have two good running backs that we're like, okay, who's going to emerge and take the running back one spot? So that puts us in a pretty good spot. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. It's a good problem to have. I just wish we didn't have it because it's still a problem. Um, last thing on this game, uh, unless you have anything else uh, after this, Jaron took way too many hits for my liking. There's yeah. obviously the dirty one where he dove at his ankle. And um, then twisted his leg at the bottom. Yep. Um, but other than that, dude, Jaron was getting hit left and right in this game. And like you said, they changed the offense at the end because he was getting hit so much. That is literally the one thing that I did not want to have happen in this game is have him take that many hits. Yeah. I am absolutely flabbergasted that he came out of that game alive. Yeah. And I have, I have absolutely zero hope that he survives the season without missing a game or two. After that game, now I know, you know, the circumstances, the injuries, whatever, you can say whatever you want. That was way too many hits, and if he has another game like that, he's done. I, I, There's something's going to happen, especially with his history. Um, I know he didn't have a ton of time, but he also didn't look like the Jaron Hall we've seen in the last couple of games. Obviously, like with Zach Wilson, he had 50% completion percentage because he was running for his life half the game and had 10 throwaways and 5 drops. Yep. Jaron Hall, maybe not to that extent, but also had like some throwaways, some pressures, right? But he just he didn't look like the what 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 should I say? Just like 
he didn't look like the all-star that we have seen the last couple of games. He looked human in this game. And that's something that I just want to keep my eye on. Because if we, if our offensive line isn't going to give him eight seconds to throw every time, which we're not against Arkansas and and Notre Dame and whoever we played in the bowl game, right? We're, we're not going to be able to get that kind of uh, time for him. I wonder how he can do under that kind of sustained pressure. So I kind of watched this. And, you know, being at the game, I was looking at it, and then looking at the game after the fact. I will say this. I don't think it's Jaron's fault that he didn't look elite last game. Jaron Hall made elite throws. That throw to the tight end, Erickson is his name, that correct? Was, yeah, Ethan Erickson. That, that was, was a insane. perfect throw right over the top. That deep ball to Cosper was a perfect throw. He made some absolutely gorgeous the throws. The gunner throw The gunner was throw good. was absolutely incredible. He made some NFL-quality throws. But I'm going to put this more on Aaron Roderick's play calling because you know Roderick. He likes to call plays that take a long time to develop. Yeah. A very long time to develop. Even the pass plays. And I think Roderick wanted to go deep a lot earlier in the game. What I what I think they did not expect was for Utah State to bring 6-7 literally every single snap. Almost every play. Which is what they did. They brought pressure on every single play. Obviously, five offensive linemen can only do so much against 6-7 guys coming in. And when Jaron needs to stand in the pocket for five seconds before his wide receiver is even open... That creates a lot of throwaways, that creates a lot of pressure throws, and that creates a lot of hits. Jaron Hall did make very good passes. There was maybe one or two errant passes that I did see, but it wasn't egregious. You know, everyone's going to have one or two errant passes here and there. So I do think Jaron Hall, while he did look human, still went 17 of 27. That's not accounting for all the throwaways. For 274 yards and three touchdowns. That's not bad. That is good. Literally averaging like 15 yards per completion. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot. That's decent. Yeah, honestly, like I did the math pretty wrong in my head, I'm going to guess. But <laughs> no, it, it's about 18. 18 yards per completion, which is a lot. So, shout out to Jaron Hall for that. Yeah, uh, I will say, I get what you're saying. Uh, I just worry that teams in the future, looking forward, are going to look at Follow this Utah State, State game model. and be like, hey, if we pressure Jaron Hall, he can't beat us like he would be anybody else, right? I think it's more on the Aaron Roderick play calling, though, because I do think you know Aaron Roderick thought that we could throw the ball deep on them and thought that he could call plays. And you know how notoriously bad our coaches are at making in-game adjustments. Well, if it, he knows... It, he's until halftime. Exactly. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. If he knows that Jaron's going to be pressured all game long and that the other teams are going to be bringing heat, I think he's going to call a lot more short routes, slants, ins, outs, curls... Bubble passes, screens. He's going to call a lot of the more of those, which Jaron gets the ball off a whole lot quicker, doesn't get hit as much, you know, not as many throwaways. But for whatever reason, I just didn't do that against your test. Yeah, and I feel like if we could do that, if we could even run the ball or, or put more emphasis on the short passes, then that would take the defense and put them on their back foot so they wouldn't be able to blitz every single time. Exactly. If we can effectively run a play action, that's where Jaron Hall is the, the, the single most effective quarterback in the nation. Off of a play-action pass, he is incredible because he gets time, his wide receivers get open, and he puts it on the money every single time. So yes. If so, we can have a competent running game against Notre Dame, then I think we will succeed. But that's talk for next episode. That That is talk for next episode. Uh, any last things just to tope up, uh, tie up the bow on Utah State game? Last time we played him for a while, it's sad. I wish we were playing this game every single year, but oh well. What are we going to do? Kick and scream? Yes, that's what I do. I thought that Utah State just, they play dirty. 
they're simulating snap counts the entire time, which I guess every team is going to do. Yeah. But the fact, just watching that defender purposefully twist Jaron Hall's leg at the bottom of that pile made me glad we're not playing him again. <laughs> uh, for Jaron Hall's sake, he's probably glad we're never playing him again too. Um, let us move on to college football week five recap. We got the fastest fifteen. What? What? City of stars, are you shining just for Kelly? City of stars. There's so much that AP voters can't see. Who knows? Not Washington! Oh, boom! UCLA pounded the Huskies into the dog pound to the tune of 499 yards. That's one short of 500, boom. They, they couldn't get one more? Come on, man. Disgusting. Uh, Durian the Fruit had two last names and a can of whoop-ass that he opened up making Washington defenders look sillier than their genitalia-named quarterback. Oh! <laughs> Bruins maul the doggies, 40-32. to 32. We head to the location named after the action of drinking slowly, the sip, where Will locked for the number one pick of the CFL, that is. Levis led his team against some forest camouflaged rebels. Mm. Jackson was looking to dart his way to the top, but instead looked like a blue dart. For those of you that don't know what a blue dart is, it's when you fart and you like light it on fire. It's, it's a fiery fart. Recreational activity. Looking like a blue dart, completing 51% of his passes and an interception. Ooh. Old Miss would have lost this game, but they recorded a safety, which automatically leads to a win. That's how it works, right, Boom? Right. The battle of two overrated SEC teams that will inevitably be ranked in the top 20 with three-plus losses at the end of the year ends with Old Miss defeating Kentucky 22-19. That's sad, Boom. Moving on. Roll, roll, roll your boat gently straight into a freaking train! Here come the Boilermakers, boiling the gophers faster than a pot of frogs too stupid to jump out when the water gets too hot. General Conference, boom. Tanner Morgana looked older than the old warlock herself, throwing three interceptions and no totallys. Watch out for Aiden Irish and the Perdukies, who got the win 20-10 over the Poopy Potguts. We head to Wisconsin in... Mad again, where the fighting citizens of the greater Chicago area were fighting off against some weird looking sloth cat hybrids. Mm. Watching Graham Mertz, Graham Hurt for Wisconsin fans as he recorded a QBR of 30.4, tossing two interceptions to the Illini guys. Illinois took advantage, dropping 34 points in Camp Randall. Is that the most points a Big Ten West team has ever scored, Boom? I think it might be. Pontius Pilonite said, take him away, as Paul Chris was crucified and fired after a 34-10 loss. Brutal. On to Wacko, where the mustard cakes were out in full effect. Mustards? Those are some unis, boom. Yeah, they are, boom. The bars of Baylor, I hardly know her, brought a knife to a gunfight with a cowman of Oakler Homer Stater, said, bang, bang, Brady Manic, to Chip and Joanna Gaines, racking up two turnovers and returning a kick to the his house. House call. Better than OK State wins, 36 to 25. We head over to Ian's house, otherwise known as Florida, where some soon-to-be excommunicated deacons, because they're demons, were taking on the politically incorrects of Florida State. Things looked like they were going all right for the home team until they pulled a 2021 BYU versus Boise State, fumbling the football in untimely situations. Yeah. Sam, was it a problem with his heart, man? 
<laughs> Led his team to victory, beating the hurricane-ridden Seminoles 31 to 21. Boop, boop, boop. Alert, alert, alert. The University of Connecticut has won a football game. Fregno Staple falls to the Huskies 19 to 13. Carry on. Uh, timeout. Yep. FIU also won. FIU and UConn are playing each other. So when they play this game, one of them will be on a two-game win streak. That is ridiculous. Time back in. We head to the we head south to the great state of M I S S I S S I P P I, which is unequivocally a state oh. where some genetically inbred and deformed dogs were taking on Jimbo Goldfisher and his sorry excuse for a football team, Texas ATM. Ooh. Mike leached himself onto the scoreboard and never released as his team kept putting up point after point after point. He got so bored during the game that he started giving out wedding advice to a reporter. Ooh. You know what he said? He'd mm. pay his kid $10,000 extra just to elope. I'd well, that. maybe that's what Texas 8-4 and four should do with Jimbo Fisher, making him elope to FCS coaching after taking an embarrassing 42-24 loss to the Bulldogs. Ouch. I like Texas 8-4. and four. That's a great nickname. In the fake Death Valley, the fighting Dabo swine flus got nutting lucky once again as the ref screwed over the incompetent no-Carolina State Wolfpacks, missing not one, not two, not three, Okay, yeah, just two fumbles. That's a lot, boom. One of which led directly to a Clemsuck touchdown. The ACC-employed officiators pulled a fast one on America, protecting their golden child and pretending that their conference actually means something, giving Clemsuck the win 30-20. to 20. We head over now to the giant mustard bottle. Mm. Or Acrisure Stadium, I Ooh. guess I should say, so that the stadium police don't come after me where the Pitt Panthers were looking to avoid their dumb home loss of the year. The Georgia Tech students, no athletes after students, boom, took the field hoping to forget the firing of Jeff with the GEO. No wonder he got fired Collins. Yikes. You might be asking yourself, did Pitt avoid its dumb home loss of the season? The answer to that is absolutely, unequivocally, no! What? The students of Georgia Tech must have thought this was an academic decathlon because they dominated the scene. Georgia Tech takes home the W, 26 to 21. Wow. Stop, 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 he's already dead, screamed America, as the Texas non-denominationals beat the absolute crud out of Brent Vulnerable's squad of laters. See what I did there, Boom? I do, I do see what you did there, Boom. The Sooner Schooner tipped over once again in brilliant fashion, spilling out the guts of Dylan Gabriel and giving us the beautiful sight of one general booty. Booty alert, booty alert. His booty like two planets. There ain't much, to, there ain't much to say here, except that I'm glad the Big 12 is getting rid of the dead weight that's hanging around. Also, is TC who back? What? Horny Frogs climax in the 54, 55 to 24 win. That's a big bonk, boom. We head to the sweaty armpit of Texas, where the Toline Grain Wave was looking to bring a hurricane to Texas. Too soon, boom. Too soon. The ex-playoff dark horse Houston Cougars were looking to get back on track when they decided to pull a 2021 Iowa, showing just how much of frauds they truly are. Tulane's quarterback, Kai Horton, here's a who, defeated Houston with a whopping QBR of 54.6. That's great. That's awfully awful, boom. Houston, we have a problem. A 27-24 loss to Tulane. One little monkey named Bryce Young jumping on the bed. He fell off and bumped his AC joint. Saban called the doctor and the doctor said, Screw you, Arkansas, we're running the ball down your throat until you die in a small hole to call Provo, Utah. 
Bama Blast, the Dual Razorbacks, 49 to 26. The football gods have heard our prayers, Boom. Ooh, we will not stop until they have reached number one. Let us pray once more, Boom. The Jayhawks faced off against the Cyclones, which normally would not be good news, as birds do tend to struggle flying in such high-speed winds. That's science, Boom. Ooh, just like Washington State's old, ro old coach Rockowitz, Jalen Daniels doesn't believe in science. The oh, Cyclones oh. blew so hard that their kicker was worse than Jake Oldroyd, leading the Jayhawks to a 14-11 victory. These birds are real. <laughs> Finally, finally, in Colombia. JK, JK. Just Colombia. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, we witnessed one of the greatest performances known to man. The nation's greatest team overcame a slew of adversity in a tough trap game against one of the country's most underrated teams of the century. After three quarters of a hard-fought battle, Georgia's pure essence of victory and winning identity won out as this world-beater of a team showed grit and determination pulling off one of the greatest comeback wins in all of college football history. All hail the Georgia Bulldogs, God's greatest gift to mankind, who beat Missouri 26-22. Boom, I don't know how you went from Shrek voice actor to Bollywood actor, but it was incredible. Uh, that was a fun Fast of 15. That was? That was a good one. We missed Dan during the Fast of 15. Yep. But, uh, we need his silky smooth voice for later. Yes, so let us all pray for Kansas to be ranked number one, and also for Dan to recover. Absolutely. Now let's review the picks that happened last week. Yes. You know we do our tipsy 10 every single week. Dan, Jared, and the fans all went 5-4. and four. It was a rough week. Uh, obviously it's not even 10 because SMU-UCF got moved to this week, Wednesday, so we just threw that one out. At that point it will be finalized. Yes. Um, but it was a rough week. It was a little rough. Uh, but a winning record is a winning record, and we'll take it. Yep. Uh, I can't say that. I, I went four and five. Um, I'm struggling this year. It's a rebuilding year. Okay. It, it, it's a rebuilding year. The one hope that I do have is that I picked UCF as well as you and the fans. Dan picked SMU. Okay. So, if UCF wins this game, I end at five and five, Dan ends at five and five, you end at six and four. All right. Okay. Hey, I will take that result. You are now only two behind me at that point, and I maintain a distance of three behind Dan. Okay. So I'm hoping and praying that UCF wins. If not, I might just jump off a bridge. <laughs> that would be exciting to see. Uh, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. Let's uh, keep moving <laughs> on. Um, That's just after I just said that. <laughs> the fans are 31-16. and 16. Yep. They have a 66 percent winning percentage which ranks second among us they also have a mickey mouse schedule as they've <laughs> as they've had a draw on multiple so they've played a total of what is that nine less games than we have true mickey mouse schedule true mickey mouse uh anyway good job fans keep going mickey they're, mouse they're doing well mickey mouse um october hits different in college football yep i think it does i yep. think we can say this every single year that october comes and we find out who the frauds are right mm -hmm. at yep. least some of them yeah uh let us run through the list of frauds. Okay. Tell me if this team, who lost, is a fraud or not a fraud. Georgia. Fraud. Clemson. Fraud. Uh, Kentucky. Been a fraud since before week zero. Yep. Uh, NC State. Uh, they're playing the ACC, so they'll still rank high, but not great. But fraudulent as their record would have yes. them say, right? Their ranking. Uh, Washington. 
Mm, jury's out. TBH? Okay. Or TBD? Uh, Baylor? Not a fraud. Uh, Texas A&M? Been a fraud since week zero. Oklahoma? Fraud. Uh, Arkansas? Not a fraud. Does that have to do with BYU playing them in two weeks? No, it's the fact that they actually hung tight with Alabama. Okay. Uh, Minnesota? Uh, not a fraud. Okay. Because they got Purdue's one dumb win <laughs> against a ranked opponent per year. Okay. Okay. Uh, Florida State? Fraud. Pitt? Fraud. Huge fraud. Do you agree with any of those? Do you disagree with any of those? Uh, Minnesota, uh, although I will say the, the Purdue like serial killer kind of vibe came out. But they looked very fraudulent. They looked like a completely different team than they had previously. And so it makes me think that they were just beating up on bad opponents, right? Okay. Same kind of thing that happened with Michigan. Although Michigan played Iowa's game and still beat them by two touchdowns. Yeah. Clemson, absolutely fraud. Yep. NC State, I would say, is not a fraud. But because they're ranked freaking 12th or whatever, definitely a fraud. Okay. But other other than that, we're definitely on the same page. All right, yeah, cool, cool. Um, how was the weekend of college football for you? Obviously, it was camp conference weekend, yeah. and so we didn't get to listen to any of the games, but we obviously still watched them. Uh, any just off-the-bat takeaways that you have? Unfortunately, I did not get in as much college football as I would have liked to this weekend. You know, Not only was it conference weekend, but the in-laws were in town too, so I was just spending time with family, which is great as well. Yep, uh, respectable. Very, very happy to get some nice, uh, good home-cooked El Salvadorian food. Oh, baby. Absolutely delicious. Papusas? Papusas. Actually, oh. we didn't do papusas, but we did lots of carne asada, pollo asado, lots of just like tacos and stuff like that. Anyway, very good. I will say this. It was definitely a trap game week. Week five of college football is always kind of that thing where you have teams that, you know, conference play is kind of finally starting. Teams that were ranked and playing nobodies are finally starting to play each other. And you're seeing, okay, who are the real alphas in college football? And we saw this week. Texas A&M, absolutely not. Oklahoma, Fraud. absolutely not. Kentucky, absolutely not. We've seen multiple teams go down, and this is we're we're finally going to start to see the true top fifteen break away. And I want BYU to be on the right side of that break. So just given how last week went, I'm just even happier that BYU came out of the Utah State game with a W in the column. Yes, my big huge frowny face with the screaming crying eyes and the flailing fists uh, was downgraded to just a slight frown okay. after this weekend so that's big that's a big step that is, right? that's a huge step yes that's like 10 faces on the Jared face scale right that is no self harm that's no property damage <laughs> that's huge for Jared okay <laughs> that's no embarrassing videos being posted on Instagram by his wife exactly alright uh, I forgot about that thank you <laughs> um I have a couple questions for you. Yeah. Which of the teams that are ranked near BYU okay. does BYU have to watch out for? Because in my personal opinion, UCLA and TCU, along with Kansas and Kansas State, even yeah. Syracuse, like those teams have a lot of upward mobility that BYU I don't think does anymore. So do you have more confidence in BYU in, in their upward mobility or the teams around BYU as far as making a New Year's Six Bowl? Absolutely. So a couple of things I would look for. Uh, Kentucky's absolutely going to lose again. Okay. North Carolina State might not. Wake Forest will definitely lose again, in my opinion. I do think they do have to watch out for TCU, but there's no way they get through the Big 12 undefeated. UCLA is also another feisty one. We'll know this week when they play Utah. I do think they do have to watch out for one team. And honestly, I think that's Syracuse. I don't think Syracuse is great. I don't think Syracuse is even better than BYU. 
but they do play in the ACC, mm-hmm. which provides them a very easy schedule to go like 10-2 and two in. One thing I will say, though, I do think there's still a lot of upward mobility for us because I do think Ole Miss, undefeated right now, will not be undefeated by the time the year's out. Definitely. Penn State still has to play Ohio State and Michigan. And Michigan. Utah plays plays UCLA. They have to play Oregon. Yep. Play o- USC as well. USC plays some actual real opponents. So there is still some upward mobility for BYU. I do think it's going to be hard to crack the top 10 this year, but I do think we could float around 12 or 11 if we take care of business against Notre Dame or Arkansas. If we lose to one of those schools, I think a New Year's Six is out of the question. I I 100% agree. I think we need to beat both of those teams and the rest of the teams on our schedule in order to even have a chance. And like you said, I think it's going to be hard to kind of crack that barrier this year, with the CFP rotation, there's like one or two less at-large bids yeah. up for grabs. And and so it's going to be really hard. Obviously, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Kentucky, all those SEC schools ranked ahead of us. All three will deserve to be ranked below us, but I'm guessing two of them will be ranked above us, right? Yeah. A two-loss Tennessee is probably going to get the nod over a one-loss BYU team. Of course. Um, I have a couple. I have a question for you. Penn State. Yeah. Penn State played... In literally a soup. Like, that was maybe the most rain I have ever seen in a football game against Northwestern. They only won by 10. But uh, Nick's games are always ugly. Right? Do you think that they – because Penn State is kind of a surprise. They've just been shooting up the rankings lately. Do you think Penn State is for real? We'll find out this week. Or, sorry, not this week. They have a bye this week. But the week after that, they play at Michigan. That will be the week that we find out whether or not Penn State is legit. Because they have been beating up on bad teams. They've, beat up, they've played a couple good teams now, and they've beat them as well. They, Penn State has taken care of business. That's what they've done so far. Now they're going up against an elite school in Michigan two weeks from now. That will be the tale. Okay. Uh, I, as an Ohio State fan, I will be paying cl- very close attention to that. Uh, one more question for you. Okay, maybe two questions. Big 12, will they make the playoff this year? No. Okay. I honestly don't think so. Firm no. Oklahoma State would have to win out, but I just think they'll they'll lose one. I mean, they already got through Baylor, but given the way the Big Twelve works again, they might have to face Baylor again in the Big Twelve championship Big Twelve championship game, which you know hard to beat a good team twice. Well, last year they beat Baylor in the regular season and lost in the Big Twelve championship game. Hard to beat a good team twice. I if it if somebody would make it. It would be Oklahoma State. Other than that, uh, Kansas winning the national championship at 20. Oh, okay. Well, that's very obvious. Yeah. Right. Um, I agree. I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12, which is where I'm going next, I think neither of these conferences will really make the playoff, but they might. The Pac-12, I'm not going to say it because it's Pac-12. Yeah. Right? We know that they're all going to be overrated, and you know, but I think the Big 12 is by far the, the most competitive conference and the most exciting conference. In college football, any any game between any of the teams, even throw West Virginia in there, right? They were competitive with Texas for two and a half quarters. Oh, yeah. Like, any of the games in the Big 12 are going to be exciting and are going to be competitive and will be meaningful because all the teams are ranked. Which is what makes the Big 12 beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think the Big 12 is the most competitive conference top to bottom in the nation, playing amongst each other. Every game is going to be a close game. Every game is going to be fun. I cannot wait to be a part of that conference and to have that kind of hype every week. I agree. Last question. Pac-12. Obviously, we do not like the Pac-12, to put it lightly. Does Pac-12 have a shot 
Because if you look at the rankings right now, you got UCLA at 18, you got Washington at 21, you got Oregon at 12, Utah at 11, and USC at 6. That's five teams in the top 25. USC at 6, you would assume, has a very high probability to go to the playoff if they were to win out and win the conference. However, in the end, how many of these teams do you think will be ranked? Do you think the Pac-12 has a chance at the playoff? I, does the does the Pac-12 get a New Year's Six bid that's not an automatic to the Rose Bowl? The U no 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 they won't get that. They do have one path to the playoff, and it's only one in my opinion because I don't think Utah's great. I do think Utah will drop a couple games. USC currently undefeated, still has to play at Utah. Tough. Still has to play at UCLA, which you know not a real. Home it's a rivalry game. Here, throw it's a rivalry the records. Game. And then they play Notre Dame the week after that. Okay. Then after that, they'd likely have to be either Utah again or, or Oregon, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. If USC goes undefeated, their resume absolutely is playoff bound. But do I think they'll go undefeated? No. Is there a shot? Is there a path? Yes. Will it happen? Probably not. I, I think I lean with you. UC, USC could do it, but I don't trust them enough. Their defense is too bad. Like, they were messing around with Arizona State for three and a half quarters. Yeah. They didn't pull away until late in that game. And Arizona State is the coachless wonder. Um, I'm excited to see how the Pac-12 plays out because I think it's competitive this year. Yeah, definitely. Like, like there are some ranked teams, right? Yeah. Like, the last couple of years we've been joking about the Pac-12 just being a bunch of nobodies. They're still a bunch of nobodies, but they're ranked nobodies. And so there's a possibility that one of those nobodies could become somebody – and go to the playoff. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out, but I'm with you. I think their only bid is going to be to the Rose Bowl. If they get one more bid than their Rose Bowl bid, I think that spells doom for BYU, and I think that'll be the reason BYU doesn't go to New Year's Six. It's because a Pac-12 team, the likes of Utah or Oregon or maybe UCLA-Washington, are going to take a second bid from BYU. The only way that happens is if somebody beats USC in the Pac-12 championship right, game. Right, right. Because at that point, the USC or the the Pac-12 champion will have at least one, if not two, losses. They won't make the playoff with that record. But yes, USC at that point would then get the at-large bid. So, yeah, honestly, the best situation for BYU is USC winning it. Yeah, it's the best situation. Agreed. Agreed. Or for total Pac-12 after dark to happen. And for the Pac-12 championship to be between two, eight, and four teams. That would be absolutely hilarious. And it would also be wildly entertaining. It would be. It would be incredibly entertaining. Would, I'd watch that. I, you know what? I might just tune in for the Pac-12 championship game. Heck, why not? <laughs> Unless it's on the Pac-12 network, then I'll... Oh, true. Won't be able to see Which it. it might be, honestly. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> any parting thoughts about college football as a whole before we sign off? College football is moving fast. I know I said this last week, but we are already five weeks through it. Slow down, smell the roses, make sure you dedicate a Saturday or two to just watching nothing but college football. It's a beautiful sport. Make sure you sniff the roses. Yep. Along with, just along those exact same lines, dive into the stories and the feelings. Don't just throw in a game and hope for good football. Actually enjoy. Do what all the fans do and get invested in a team or two. Pick a team. Be an Ohio State fan. Be a Penn State fan. Be an Ole Miss fan. I don't know. Pick a team. College football is way better than the NFL, just period, right? But the reason it's better is not because of the play on the field. It's 
because of everything surrounding the game and the effect that that has on the game, right? Like BYU, Utah State, we hated it. I hate Utah State, and that's why I love it so much. Yep. It's because of that. Because BYU is this top 25 team, ranked number 19 in the country, and Utah State lost to freaking Weber State. And they came in and freaking probably should have beat us. Yep. Right? They were so close. So that's that's what makes college football so exciting. This weekend is going to be really fun. We have the Red River rivalry between two absolutely meaningless you know, poverty programs. Yep. Uh, we got Alabama, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is about to get... You know what it? Yep. By Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Notre Dame BYU. So uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Uh, everybody tune in. It's going to be awesome. And don't miss SMU at UCF. That's a very meaningful game in the AAC. It could decide who goes to the AAC conference championship game. And it decides a lot for our picks, too. Absolutely. One more parting thought. I'm just going to reinstate this. At this time next week, either... UConn or FIU will be on a two-game win streak. That is absolutely wild. I cannot fathom that. At the beginning of the season, you would have told me that. I would have been like, what? You would have slapped me across the face. I really would have. That's wild. That's wild. That's wild. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are super glad that you decided to join us. If you listen this far into the episode, go on our latest Instagram post and comment the word tangerine. You heard me. Comment the word tangerine. I just got a tangerine in front of me. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Share it with your friends. Make sure you're checking out the Instagram and Twitter at LoyalToRoyalPod and the website RoyalStrongAndTrue.com. Without further ado, adieu. Adieu. We love you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye now.